0: You don't know how that user is going to do it. Are they going to somersault through the entire level? Are they going to climb up a wall and jump down? And, you know, are they going to just sit in a corner for a while and then walk three steps and then sit in a corner for a while? You don't know if somebody's going to, you know, how somebody's going to play. And that's the beauty and that's that's the draw of video games and the interactivity of it.
1: Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. Sound plays a more important role in human behavior and our decision-making than you may realize. In this podcast, I'll help you understand the art and science of sound so you can better influence others in business and your life. I'm your host, Jody Krangle. Let's delve a little deeper. Here's the second part of my conversation with Chris Hegstrom. I'm curious then, um... What you would consider good UX design in in a game? Actually, I'm I'm actually really curious about the game aspect yeah. of this, because I know that after this, you went back to games. Right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm I'm currently uh, working as audio manager at Insomniac Games, um, and I, I have to say, after uh, basically ten years of being away from working in games, I am. Incredibly humbled and incredibly awestruck by the magnitude of what games have become now compared to even where Pretty even incredible. where we left them off ten years ago. You know. Um, yeah. You know. Again, anecdotally, I remember time. I remember a time um, at Lucas Arts when I was uh, working uh, with a composer um, at Lucas Arts, and he wanted to get an uh, the San Francisco Orchestra uh, to record for a video game score he had created. And he contacted uh, the licensing department uh, that was used to working in movies and you know all the other television shows and things like that, and basically explained, you know that he needed the stage uh, at Skywalker and he needed, he wanted the San Francisco Orchestra for it. And the, the person on the other end, I, I remember this very specifically, was asking, what was what was this for? Was this for the new, you know, was this for, you know, episode two, episode three or whatever, um, Clone Wars? And he said it was for a video game, Knights of the Old Republic 2, I think it was. And I believe the response from that was pretty much like, what? Video games don't need an orchestra. What are you talking about? You know, um, and it was this. That was
1: a pretty uh, classic video game. It, it, yeah, like, it,
0: it, <laughs> it, it certainly was. I
1: mean, we yeah. come from that perspective now, but And yeah. this <laughs> is not,
0: you know, this was certainly not a, it, it was more a, a, to show the, the kind of, the misunderstanding that most people had for what video games were. They had more of a reference to like, you know, um, Pac-Man or Pong or something like that, as opposed to, uh, you know, something that would require like a full orchestra. Um, so... To go from that to the point w- that we're at now, with the scale and the size and the um, the team size and the budgets and all that stuff that that that
1: uh, and mocap, like they're doing all sorts yeah. of like really interesting stuff with the video games. And now. just the profile,
0: yeah. even the profile is amazing to see. Um, like Hollywood composers wanting to come into games where it used to be you know, just, it used to be just a one way, the opposite direction. Um, And now it's, you know, it is as equal to, you know, as far as linear media uh, or movies, Um, which I I never, I I never considered that that would actually, it would, it would be, it would get to that point. Um, But to the, the point of games right now, you mentioned it must be harder. And from that puristic sort of, you know, subtractive style distillation point of view, yes. From the process of doing it, absolutely no. (laughs) Games are so intricate and detailed and interdependent. Um, I would argue there are probably very few things that are as difficult as making a video game. Um, Just because as we talked about before, the idea of the, the at, at its core, it is a challenge of um, interaction for the user, but it is also a narrative story and it is also a technical endeavor and it is also an artistic endeavor and it is also a, you know, um, animation endeavor and it is also an audio and a music and a voiceover endeavor and it
1: there's a there lot are of so things many things that go so into again, it yeah when we talk
0: about subjectivity maybe so back in the day there was a lot of cohesion with games i'm going to use space invaders as the the ultimate example you wonder why the art and the sound and the music and the gameplay are so interconnected with a thing like space invaders you've got the little enemy sprites and they're going back and forth on the you know and and then they get faster and you hear them get faster and it's just uh, in my heart oh my gosh i'm gonna die they're getting closer they're getting faster um it's because there was one person doing all of that right it was a game designer. He was the programmer. He was the audio designer. He was the composer. He was the artist. He was the animator. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. No, <laughs> No, quite. Quite the opposite, really. Um, as game sizes get larger and more detailed, specializations sort of, you know, are created. Um, there is this. This I, I did. I was not uh, privy to this before I came back to games, but there are uh, designers um, specifically um, that focus only on haptics. So the haptics of the controller are um, in some cases uh, the responsibility of a sound designer to kind of integrate that level of sense of touch sense. Interesting. I didn't realize that. Um, Yeah. So the specificity of the, um, sound designers within games has, you know, has only gotten more, um, more detailed. Um, yeah. And it's, it's great. And the complexity then becomes a lot bigger. Everything becomes a kind of a whisper down the alley thing, because maybe you start out with a, um, creative director who has a vision and and they want to create this sort of they have this idea for a game and they think it's really cool now they're going to use uh, this particular character and they're going to have to design it for this particular console now you have to get the animators involved and the artists involved and you have concept art and you have um, environment art concepts and storyboarding and you know how are we going to tell this story? And then all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's branching out and it's branching out, and it, there's more and more people involved in this one vision and this one sort of product. So it's basically a movie. No, isn't it's it? much more complicated than a movie. Uh, even oh, yeah, really? Than a movie? Way, way more. <laughs> I mean, because they make movies from a lot of these. <laughs> so from an, even from a, let's go from an audio perspective. Let's think about a movie perspective. So um, I had the the. Uh, Um, I I I had the fortune of being allowed onto a movie set uh, from the uh, supervising sound designer um, when I was visiting L.A. one time. And I was at Universal Studios and they were mixing Charlie St. Cloud, which was this throwaway movie from maybe 2011 era. And um, I had never really witnessed a post-production uh, experience of a movie before. So essentially, it is a giant movie theater, and in the middle, in the seats were ripped out, and there was a 72-track uh, mixing console in the middle, a euphonics board. Um, and there was three uh, engineers. Uh, one had 24 tracks of sound, one had 24 tracks of voice, and one had 24 tracks of music. So... They're essentially scrubbing through almost frame by frame, and it's. I remember very specifically just because it it just it made such an impression on me. It was a scene where um, Zach Efron's talking to Kim Basinger, and it is in this driveway of a uh, a cabin by the lake, and that's it. That's the only th- like there was you know they worked for an hour on that just that one like five second sequence, and the sound supervisor would continuously say, "Okay, wait now stop." roll it back, three frames back. Okay. Solo that dog that's barking. Okay. The reverb that you set on that dog doesn't sound like that dog is across the river. It sounds like they're, you know, east of the river, but closer. So can you do something to make the, you know, can we position that dog barks? And again, dog bark is absolutely nothing to do with the actual the, the story that's going on or the conversation that's having but i just i remember that so vividly because i was so jealous of the amount of nuance and detail that this sound supervisor and the sound team had over the mix of this movie now fast forward 13 years later we in in video games we essentially have that fidelity now and it's interactive which means you set up the parameters so that the user can mix it while they're playing so you know what i Interesting. mean like the complexity okay. yeah. is that you
1: well they're walking through yeah. As they're playing the game. And so the sound needs to follow them and be as they would experience it if they were walking through. Exactly. But
0: you don't know how that user is going to do it. Are they going to somersault through the entire level? Are they going to climb up a wall and jump down? And, you know, are they going to just sit in a corner for a while and then walk three steps and then sit in a corner for a while? You don't know if somebody's going to, you know, how somebody's going to play. And, that's the beauty, and that's the that's the draw of video games and the interactivity of it. It's also the complexity of designing an environment that sounds uh, intentional, even though it is just so chaotic and, <laughs> and random. Uh, not random, but the elements of it are. You're a, it should sound
1: random to the person yeah, playing. Yeah, I, I mean, guess.
0: <laughs> it, yeah, it should sound the way that they're, they're expecting it to sound, but because of that and because of the fact that it is essentially zeros and ones, it is not, there is no, there is no alleyway, right? <laughs> You're not actually hearing reflections off of an alleyway. You're hearing, um, you know, uh, impulse response, uh, simulation of, you know, close quarter reverb settings, That have a bounding box that you go through um, within this particular, uh, you know, an invisible bounding box that your character goes through. So it's not something that you can just grab a sample and just kind of put into something. Uh, All of these conditions are based on where the player is, how they are, you know, how they're um, progressing through the, the, the levels, uh, what, what their experience is for the difficulty, um, what their, you know, their style is, uh, in either combat or traversal. Um, yeah, no, a video game design and video game sound design is at this point exponentially more difficult than film.
1: Wow, which just makes it all that much more impressive (laughs) because the stuff that's being made in video games now is insane. Do you want to sound your absolute best when you're being interviewed on a podcast or when you're hosting your own show? I have a podcast episode and free downloadable worksheet called Sounding Your Best as a Podcast Guest off of the audiobrandingpodcast.com main page. Just click on the little square graphic to the left of the player displaying my podcast trailer. It gives you some comprehensive suggestions for where to start or for improving the sound you already have, including the type of microphones to consider and why, ideas for soundproofing your recording environment, and suggestions on how to get the best sound when you're being remotely recorded on services like Riverside FM or Squadcast. Don't let bad audio quality hold you back from being the best podcast guest or host you could be. And of course, if you happen to need voiceover for your intro and outro, feel free to get in touch. I'm happy to help. And now, back to the podcast. I wanted to ask you, where do you think it's going? going. Because it's getting... Even more complicated, yeah. I'm assuming. So, I mean, like, as
0: I was saying before, the, you know, the, the big complaint from all the, you know, the GDC sessions from the audio folks during the, you know, the early 2000s and even into the 2010s were, you know, we need more space. We need more. So when I worked, and this is common knowledge, but um, when I worked on a PlayStation 2 game back in, you know, maybe 2002, 2003, um, you had two megs total. megabytes total now that that included anything that you would load into ram anything that you would have to allocate as a streaming buffer uh for sounds that would come through you know in in stereo sounds that would be positional you had two makes total um so yeah i understand that argument and things got progressively better with playstation 3 xbox 360 and things continued, you know, PlayStation Four, you know, Xbox One. Things continue to get better with fidelity, and also what's known as kind of runtime uh, DSP, digital signal processing. So that essentially um, gives the either the game engine or the game middleware um, the option of doing things uh, that are not prescriptive uh, to the sounds. Um, and what we mean by that essentially is, um, you know, conditional states, I guess you would consider it maybe snapshot mixing or something like that. If then statements, if this, you know, it's a prioritization system, but it's also cumulative. Um, if these conditions happen, then this sound should be louder, uh, or this sound should uh, you know, should supersede that because again, you don't know what the user is doing or how long it's going to take them to get into these positions. Um, where it is going for video games, I think would be, um, obviously the 3d audio space has been a big, a big sort of, um, goal for a lot of companies. Um, and I, I think we're close. I, I don't think we're there yet because it's not ubiquitous. It's not, not everybody uh, in, you know, has a 3d audio system in their house. Um, you know, sure. So little more expensive. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think once that becomes a little bit more accessible to people and once that becomes a little bit more commonplace, I think the 3d audio aspect is, you know, again, number of speakers and number of, you know, positional, um, Positional audio is exciting, and but I don't think that is the, the next trend. I think the next trend is going to be um, a lot more um, maybe CPU-based or a lot more uh, based on really kind of amping up the interactivity to the point where um, you as the audio designer are actually... Um, really, really impacting the interactivity of the user or what the user's experience might be within a game, it then becomes like so much more because of the, you know, the audio. Uh, I'll give you an example.
1: How would that look like yeah, to a player? <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I worked on a, a project called uh, Burnout Paradise um, back in 2006, 2007. Um, yeah. And it was an open world racing game. And if you ask any sound designer, racing games are arguably the hardest games to mix because there's a lot of audio happening all the time. First of all, you have an engine <laughs> of a vehicle that has to kind of project the progress of the game as well as the you know the awesomeness of the car, right? So... All creative directors always want that up, right? They want the engine to be louder. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) A lot of times there's a soundtrack going on and that's like usually like not, you know, um, lo-fi hip hop, right? A lot of times it's really high energy sound that is, again filling up the whole uh, frequency spectrum. So now you have...
1: And you need dialogue, And you have dialogue
0: in a lot of cases, um, you know, either, uh, you know, an announcer kind of telling you what's going on or the position of the other players, if it's race-related or, you know... And you
1: need to be able to understand them, unlike in a Christopher Nolan movie. (laughs) exactly.
0: (laughs) Then maybe it's online, and now you're talking to your friends. And so so you've got a lot of stuff happening. Um, so on burnout paradise, there was this, um, this, this sort of feature that we were trying to introduce called the sense of speed. And the idea of that is that, um, gameplay wise, you're trying to go faster and more reckless, you know, you're trying to, um, just, yeah, basically the, the faster and more recklessly you drive, the more you're rewarded and you can do that again from that, that, that gameplay aspect of not really knowing how, how, um, how much this is, you're going to need to do for the player. You don't know how long they're going to be able to kind of, you know, kind of go straight out. Uh, if they're really good players, they could do this for minutes, uh, you know, or longer of just driving crazy because it's open world and you can go anywhere and you can do this. So, so we had to create an open-ended system. Um, that represented this speed the sense of speed and so i worked with um you know the ai sound design the sound designer that was assigned to the ai cars and basically the traffic system um, the opposing car systems and then i worked with the sound designer that is uh, working on the ambience and the environmental sounds and the first thing we decided was you know what, that ambience sounds great if you're sitting still, right? Um, and which but you're almost, almost never, never doing, doing in that So game. how do you, like, <laughs> what is a way that we can actually kind of translate that environment into the actual gameplay elements? Um, so there was a lot of talk about um, relative threat level. I think it was what we talked about and relative velocity And like, you know, you could see the, you know, um, the mathematical equations going on essentially at this point, Well, we're basically talking about, okay, if you are going, um, if the relative velocity of the car coming towards you is less than a hundred miles per hour, we're just going to play the sound of their engine through a Doppler, right? So there's a, you know, sort of thing or whatever. Um, If the relative velocity is over 100 miles per hour, but under 200 miles per hour, um, we're going to switch to a one-shot, which is going to kind of emulate the speed and sort of danger of that, kind of like a whoosh sound or something, like that sort of thing. Um, And we're going to fade the uh, dynamically fade the engine Doppler sound down the closer we get to that threshold of hundred. Then from 200 on up, if you even so much as scratch that vehicle, um, you are going to crash. So we are going to now change that whoosh sound into like a saw blade sound or into something like a, you know, like a really dangerous sounding sound. And that is just for the traffic system and the AI car systems. Um, So now we've got these three or four different um, systems and conditions that we are piecing together um, that are all kind of dynamically happening. Like I'm pulling up to a stop sign. That's full on engine, no Doppler at all. And then Doppler gets introduced when there's a car going past me. And then, you know, as the faster I start going and the cars start whizzing by and all this stuff sounds completely seamless to the user Um, on the environment side of things, it is very, very different because, again, we, wanna, we want to introduce what the um, experience is going to be um, going past these things, like maybe it's a construction site or something like that. But we also want it to convey uh, the um, kind of craziness of going past it so quickly. Um, so underlying, replacing that ambient sound with kind of a more, like, motion-related ambient sound, which also had nothing to do with what was you were actually seeing. So that's okay. And then we replace that again at the next threshold with this really surreal sound of almost kind of, like, being in the zone. And it just, it turns into this abstraction where we bring all the real sounds down. And it's this, like, uh, kind of almost space, you know, like... Uh, Wind tunnel experience and you're just sort of like locked in to getting to, you know, um, to staying, not, you know, to not crashing essentially. And then that wasn't enough. So I introduced uh, what's known as a shepherd's tone. Um, because essentially yeah, right, you can chain yeah. these things and you don't know sort of, but you also want the user to experience this as like constantly ascending and constantly getting more and more treacherous, uh, for the user. So the sense of speed system itself was a combination of all these environmental sounds, AI, um, and traffic system sounds, um, and this shepherd's tone plus the boost sound, you know. So a lot of really complex systems. And the response that I got from somebody who played the game um, that I talked to... Um, oh, and also we're we're obviously affecting the music while this is all going on. And the response that I got from a user um, was, you know, like, I don't know what you guys did to the music, but man, like... Every time I was chaining a burnout, my palms were sweaty. And I said, that's that's <laughs> it. That's of course. That is, yeah. you know, we spent a bunch of time on our like, you know, mathematical equation board and you know, trying to figure out all these, you know, dueling thresh these conditional thresholds and all this other stuff that that is happening in order to present an experience that the user will never, never really um. In, in 99% of the cases never really understand actually what's going on unless they're, you know, an audio programmer.
1: I really appreciate you being here. Know anyone that you think would make a great guest for this podcast? Someone who works in sound on behalf of clients? Please do get in touch. I'd love to hear about them. Your recommendations are always super helpful. And now back to the show. So has that gotten better over oh, yeah. time or has it just gotten more
0: complicated? <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. It's, it's got, so um, there are now um, tools uh, that uh, uh, that sound designers can use um, that are, you know, considered middleware like WYs by Audio Kinetic. Um, and these conditions are kind of, uh, you know, baked in. Things like real-time parameter controls are, you can, hook those into game states and then have them almost like oscillators or you know you could have them affect the sound in some ways um so in that way it's gotten a little bit easier you don't have to hand code everything um because you have these and then with that you have resources you have you can talk to the developers um who did the, who made these tools or you could you know you could get onto a user group, um, to ask how people are doing this. Um, you have that, but at the same time, things are getting more complicated and better because the fidelity expectations are getting higher and higher. Um, you know, uh, PlayStation five has to look and sound better than an experience on the PlayStation four. The, you know, um, you know, every generation of, of console that you release or, and every, um, every generation, every title that you release has to utilize these, uh, you know, um, these crazy, uh, features, um, even, you know, even more, uh, and, and uh, more vigorously and more, um, efficiently.
1: So Chris, uh, we're coming to the end of the interview here, but I, but I, I wanted to ask you a specific question. Like, what are you most excited about when it comes to audio with UX or with game design? Where, where are you most excited about? So
0: what I really love is the fact that these are two industries that have sort of fed one another along the ways, right? Um, if you had told yourself in the nineties that your car would have all of these kind of interactive components to it, whether it's navigation systems or, you know, the, the 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 different types of cruise control or, you know, detection systems, um, you would have thought you were playing a space age video game. And there is a back and forth between the, you know, kind of the technology that people get used to because they expect it from these kind of fantastical experiences but then that becomes ubiquitous because all of a sudden it's in your car or it's on your refrigerator or it, you know it's in your home um and then you have screens or you have digital assistants or you have you know smart devices um so that's the part that i'm excited about is seeing these um these industries really kind of um feeding one another and and just really kind of um it's they call it like the gamification of life and then on the other side it's kind of the fidelity or the lifification of games, I guess, you know, the kind of higher fidelity you get with things like mocap and things like, you know, um, you know, 3D rendering and um you know, um, ray casting and all these crazy technologies that make it seem more lifelike and more realistic and more, um, you know, immersive for lack of a better term. On the other side, you have, you know, the type of work that you do, um, with people that are trying to order a pizza or, (laughs) or they're trying to, you know, get to grandma's new house, you know, um, and understanding the conditions of the road, or something like that. Um, so I am excited to see to see this this progression sort of 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 life, imitating art, imitating life, imitating art, and that you know, and where where we end up. Endless yeah, possibilities. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And AI, I love it. <laughs> we'll get into yeah, that. Yeah, well, true.
1: Yeah, we didn't even really mention that <laughs> yeah. one, did we? That's becoming ubiquitous. Yeah, it, it's interesting.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, again, I I do believe at the moment it is a tool, and it is something that is you know uh, as dangerous as you make it. Um, but I do I I don't know. I think, especially with the complexity of. Um, of these sort of environments that you have, or whether it's either the complexity of your life, hearing all of these different um, audio cues coming at you from different sources um, to within a game engine, um, you know, just sort of trying to accomplish something um, with all these team members and all of this stuff. I, th- I think that, um, with something like artificial intelligence, maybe some of the easier things can get taken care of without the, you know, the attention or the time that is needed to do them right now. And then that sort of, you know, maybe that increases exponentially. I don't know. We'll see.
1: So it's kind of like hiring a virtual assistant. (laughs) You know, for
0: lack of a better term. Yeah. And then, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right. I mean, there are some things that I think that humans... Still need to do oh, for themselves. Yeah. I think so. I hope so. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I hope so too. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we'll see where it goes in the years that follow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess people will listen back to this podcast years from now and go, oh, they were yes, so nice. They were so wrong and so <laughs>
0: off. If only they knew. Yeah.
1: If only right. they knew. Oh, well. <laughs>
0: but until then. So
1: how can people get in touch with you if they'd like to do that? Oh sure.
0: Um I guess um uh, LinkedIn's probably a good uh good way to to do that. Um uh yeah, yeah, that's my kind of only social media of choice at the moment. <laughs> and, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. I get it. I like to keep it kind of professional yeah. as you say. But um that is reasonable. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um yeah, LinkedIn's a good method for that. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, thank you so Thanks. much, Chris. This has been really educational. I've oh, learned good, a ton. Oh, good, I'm glad. And uh,
0: I've played <laughs> games. So. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. It was great to be here. It was great to talk a lot about of fun. all this. This was a lot of fun.
1: Well, thank you. Appreciate your expertise. Sure.
0: You. Anytime. <laughs> Anytime you need me on again. Okay. okay.
1: Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, why not tell a friend about this podcast? It's available in all the usual locations. Until next time.